everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy and today we are talking to Patrick. I'm so excited to hear his whole story. I'm going to let Jeremy introduce him properly as always but thank you so much for being here and we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in once again and thank you very much Patrick for being with us today. Um, Guys, Patrick uh, has been elected the happiest bus driver in london so we are talking right now uh we are in miami patrick is in london uk uh i found patrick on instagram uh, i saw a post with you driving the bus uh and yeah being the happiest bus driver in london so i googled your name <laughs> i found your instagram account and i sent you a message and i also find some article online and yeah so we got in touch we exchanged a few messages on whatsapp and now we are recording so thank you for taking the time to record with us today yeah <clears throat> good morning uh jeremy thank you so much for reaching out and in- inviting me to come and you know share my story um, on your podcast i'm i'm really really grateful i'm so thankful can you hear me jamie yeah yeah yeah, I'm really grateful. I'm so thankful to you and your lovely wife, um, Rosie, for both reaching out to me. But let me uh, make it clear. Um, I don't think there's any accolade or any, uh, you know, London's Happiest Bus Driver Award. It was just that I, due to gratitude of life, of where I am today, looking back and realising that I'm so grateful for where I am today, mm. you know, and I found my passion in working with people that I had to find out how best to serve my customers before I went for the bus driver's job. So um, <clears throat> well, I'm sure we would get into that in yeah, a bit. We, we're going to um, get into it in a bit. Um, yeah, but before yeah. we get into uh, the bus driver career, uh, a lot of things happened before that. Uh, in, in your life. Uh, you had a pretty eventful life, let's say. Um, so maybe let's go back in time uh, a few decades ago. Uh, <laughs> and um, if you want to tell us maybe like, actually, where, where did you grow up? Let's go back. <laughs> Way back. <laughs> yes, Jeremy. Um, I have had an eventful life, uh, decades. I am 53. I was 53 on the 4th of March. Oh, happy oh, birthday. Two days ago for us. So yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And <clears throat> I, I was born in London in 1968, the 4th of March. And I was actually born in Islington, St. Bart's Hospital. And I've always thought that was East London. You know, they've always said that um, it's, it's, it's within the sound of Bow Bell. So growing up, I thought, oh, wow, that's like Bow, East London. I'm a right Cockney. <laughs> so I even adopted the Cockney accent. <laughs> However, when I went to look for my passport, you know, when I was, I think, about 16 or 17 or maybe even older, actually, um, and I went to Hackney because I grew up in Hackney. I went to Hackney Town Hall. And they told me they didn't know me. I was I was flabbergasted. I thought, God. 
And then I thought about it and I thought, oh, my mum said to me, I, was brought, I grew up, we grew up, we were born in Islington. So I went to Islington, found my um, birth certificate there. And then it really made me push my chest because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm actually born in a posher part of town. <laughs> <laughs> However, let's go back, way back. Growing up as a kid was okay. My mother was a God-fearing person. We started off as a Catholic. And I, I see pictures of me as a baby, my younger brother, one year younger than me, Charlie, as a baby with my dad and my mum in the 70s with Afro hair and him with a fur coat. And, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it looked like things was wonderful and things was lovely. However, my memory of my childhood, now thinking about it, and hearing all the feedback from people that tell me, give me feedback about my story, is that I thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. The only memory I can remember, apart from that picture, is my mother always having, you know, being having blood on her face. You know, her, her breathing is always heavy. You know, hearing shouts in our home. You know, my mother and father mm -hmm. um, arguing. You know, um, and firstly, I just want to say right now in the beginning that my mum is a, I want to honour my mum because she passed away in 2016. And I wanted to give, give praise to my mother. You know, um, she was a wonderful person. She was a blessing to everybody um, in her life. She came from Nigeria as a child she was brought by her husband, my father, as a child. She came to this cold country, she used to call it. <laughs> he dragged her from Africa to this cold country. And I think she just believed that um, being beaten and uh, being put down, that's what she experienced at home in Nigeria and at, at home in London, her husband bringing her here. That's what she experienced. And so she just felt that that was normal. Mm. Right. You know, it was it was it was normal. So this is what we heard. Me and my brother heard screaming, shouting, fighting. My my dad would beat my mum. So I just want to honour my mum because in my story, I'm going to mention some parts of where mum transferred her what she learned onto me. Mm -hmm. right. But mum was a beautiful soul. She only works with the tools handed down to her. Yeah. And um, but I, I'm only going to tell the truth because I know that there are people out there that also may have faced um, abuse and you know verbal abuse and negativity because of where they're from. Mm. You know, from a from a strict household, an African household. Mm. And so gr growing up, uh, yeah, it's interesting what you said, because that's something we've heard before the, 
what you see, what's normal for you is not normal for everyone else, but because that's your daily life, you assume as a kid, as a young teenager, that this is what it is probably everywhere. Um, and, And then when you get into adulthood, you you realize that well actually this is not normal for everyone um how did that affect you though in 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 terms of like growing up um you know with the relationship with your parents the relationship with maybe other people and how did that impact you well it was it was difficult because we couldn't understand why our mum was being beaten all the time uh, our understanding was, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. He used to, my mum would go to work and he'd beat her to take her money off her and, you know, so that she could, you know, so that he could go and buy alcohol, I suppose. And she, I remember times when she used to take us with her because she, she always wanted to dress us up well. You know, in them days they had CNA and uh, Woolworths and, British home stores and she always wanted to dress us well but she hardly didn't have a lot of money sometimes mm-hmm. so my mother used to um, you know take clothes from the shops um, for us so that she could dress us well because she didn't have no money because my dad would take it off her mm-hmm. and um, you know we, we, we thought things like this was normal you know my mum as I said she was a God-fearing person however you know and she was a hard worker as well you know but, um, you know, my, and I don't even want to blame my dad either, because as I said earlier, we are handed down, we can only work with the tools handed down to us. Yeah. So obviously him as a child, he may have seen abuse in his childhood, and he must have thought it was how the thing goes. Mm. Um, however, what I've learned now as an adult, and it really, I'm telling you, it's taken me to become an adult. You know to realize that that's not how things roll so i grew up wanted to please well my mother met up with some friends and they found this because my mom was pretty as well so they'd see bruises on her and they would tell her what's what's wrong and obviously then she may have told them and they advised her that that's wrong that's abuse in this country throw him out you know call the police blah 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 i don't know what happened but anyway Next minute, my, my dad is not in the house no more. I think mum has thrown him out. Mm. And, um, you know, things started to get obviously better now because he's not there. And mum, you know, looked after us. We grew up. We went to school. We went to a Catholic school because my mum wanted us to go to the best schools. And she thought that Catholic school was the best. So we went to a Catholic school. She We, went, we um, attended an African church, which... Um, you know, we loved it because as kids, we were playing with other kids. These churches, these Af- a lot of these African churches are very long services. <laughs> you know, three, four hours, five hours sometimes. <laughs> oh, my days. And um, But we loved it because we were able to play with our friends <laughs> and, and stuff. And, you know, and I remember I've always wanted to please my mother. My mother brought us up with an iron hand. You know, when other kids were, you know, playing out, we weren't allowed to play out. You know, I had to get home from school to come home and do my homework and 
and stuff. And I remember that I wanted to get home quickly. Actually, I was terrified of my mum, really. Mm. Um, you know, because she didn't beat us, you know, but she gave us African punishment. Uh, you know, <laughs> so the Africans in the house, they would um, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Things like stooling down, kneeling down, you know, like we are back to the wall, going into a 90 degree position. So you're pretending you're sitting down, your back is leaning on the wall. Right. You're sitting, and you've got to stay like that, your arms straight out in front of you. And you've got to stay like that. And my mother was a machinist. So we'd, I'd think, oh, let me relax. And then mum would say, put your arm or hand up. And I put it up. I was thinking, oh, how did she see? But, you know, I was in pain. But, you know, I'm sure I was, um, you know, I thought I was a bad kid, you know, and that's why I was being punished. So, I don't know. I can't remember why I was being punished, mm. but I'm sure I was naughty. So that's why. <laughs> yeah. So how, how, how old were you at this time when, when your dad left? How old were you? Oh, we were young. I don't know, four or five. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, okay. and you know, and we we moved around Hackney, and then my mum remarried, and um, had two more boys. So my mum had four boys, and it's funny because we don't realise this. We attract stuff into our lives this is what i've learned today in my adult years today we attract stuff and depending on what we put out because why would my mom now attract a lovely person god fearing why would she attract another man who is abusing her hmm. that wants to beat her why would she do that hmm. you know um so i don't know i don't know if it's Because someone said to me once that your daughter is attracted to a male who's like her father. So if her father, you know, does certain things, then, you know, she will be attracted to a person. Because apparently a, a daughter loves the dad and, you know, the son loves the mom. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, to offend anyone out there. I'm talking my story and what I went through. Um, and how I can articulate it. So my mom attracted another man who, you know, who eventually, you know, beat her and abused her, and he had to go. Um, my two younger brothers didn't like their dad so badly that they they changed their name, their surname, to my surname. Mm. You know, so their surname was Ulushoto, and they changed it to Lawson by Interpol or whatever you call it, you know, by proper law, they've changed mm. it, yeah? Um, and that's how how they hated their father. That's what they say. And um, so my mum now is bringing up four boys and, and she did not withhold punches. She always told us, Kune, ah, I'm bringing up four boys, stubborn children, bad boys. Why did God punish me like this? Mm. Uh, yeah, we got all of that. And I remember I wanted to please mum, please her. I know I wanted to please her. You know, try to be good. However, I feel that a parent who 
didn't have the right tools because there's no manual to parenting i mean there is a lot of books on parenting on the shelves but we don't know they're there mm. you know we as kids you know we have children and and we you know we we haven't we don't have the manual to parenting so that's why i said i had to praise mum first because you know to towards the end mum did learn and you know and i could see the goodness that mum wanted to, you know, but she was only working with the tools handed down to her. Yeah, she was doing her best. She was yeah. doing her very, very best, mm. you know, and yeah, so what I'm, what I'm saying is that I could only behave as a child. I can only behave as a five-year-old. I can only behave as a 10-year-old. I can only behave as an 11-year-old, you know, so a parent who is 30, 40, 50, Trying to tell a 5, 10, 15-year-old to behave and telling that child who's acting only like a child that they're naughty, mm. you know, it's not. It's confusing. I still remember that I wanted to please my mum. That's why today I have a passion to talk to youngsters, to talk to youths, even to talk to some parents, you know, not tell them what to do but to share, to help them to see the see the points from the child. Yeah. You know, to, to you know, to to think in themselves, well, where did they get this um, you know, they can't I can't manage my emotions thing. And then instead of me to understand that because okay, for example, I got a friend and she is always calling her children little devils and oh they're bad, they're bad and this and that. And you know, I, I, I try and pull it outside and I tell her, listen, your children aren't bad. Mm. You know, they're only being children. Her daughter's she's four and her son's eight. So you can imagine, you know, yeah, they're just they're, mischievous. Yes, yes, they're they you know, they're pushing the boundaries. And and their mum's an intelligent, lovely lady. She's my friend. I've known her for many years. And you know, and, and she's learning from what I'm saying. And I tell the kids, I said, listen, you are, you're not bad. You're good kids. You know, you're learning. You're only kids. You're four. And so now the little four-year-old tells her mom, mom, I'm only four. <laughs> <laughs> I can only act like a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, quite, well, quite often when kids are being mischievous, it's also to get attention just to get some attention from the parents or, or someone else, whatever. But it's it's usually coming from a loving place or from it's a request, but they don't have the, the vocabulary to verbalize it. So yeah. they act in a way that might get yeah. attention from the people they're seeking attention from. Our children don't do what we say, per se. They do what we do. So yeah. they got our attention as when they were children... Because when they cried, they got our attention. Hmm. Stop it, Johnny. Shut up, Johnny. Go and watch your cartoon, Johnny. So, and I'm talking, selling you this because, and I only just picked Johnny out from the air. I'm only telling you this because when I read in a book somewhere, when my daughter was in school, I've got three children myself. When my daughter was in school, and listen, I'm no angel. I these tools, I learned these tools after my kids were adults, yeah? So if we've got enough time, I might share with you also my um, disaster as um, a parent, even though a lot of my friends tell me I did well. Um, my daughter in school, I use this as an example, 
would always play up and they'd always call me to come into school. You know, and so that's what I'm saying. This, that's what they've learned. They've learned to get, as you said, Jeremy, to get our attention, they only know how to play up because they learned as a child that when they cried, they got our attention. You know, so now as a teenager, they were, so it doesn't make sense in our heads that why would a child deliberately be naughty at school? Because that's the only way they can get our, get our attention, as you said, Jeremy. And that's what someone told me, I think one of their therapists. And I thought, wow, that does really make sense. Mm. That really makes sense. Yeah. So when, when you were a teenager, um, what was your way to get attention then? Were you... Well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have a a, um, a formula. There wasn't no formula. I didn't read no book. Mm. You know, I think we all I all I realize is that we just have children in us, and children behave like children, and that's it. I grew up as a Christian, as you know, and the Bible says that um, you know, you're, when you're a child, be a child. And when you become an adult, you know, you put away childish things, childish behaviors. Yeah. However, I've also learned that if you start doing bad things as a child, and what I'm referring to is start using drugs, your age, your growth stops. So if you're using for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and then you stop at 10 or 10, 15, 20 years, it seems like your age is still when you started, mm. when you started at 16, when you started at 17, because you, you haven't grown up. You haven't learned the things that adults, you know, when you're 17, you learn. When you're 18, you learn. When you're 19, you learn. When you're 20, you're 21, you're 25, you're learning. You know, 16 to 20 Maybe, you know, you're, you're having girlfriends, you know, you're going out with friends, you're partying, you're in college, university, um, you know, and, and then 2021, you maybe you, you, you get, you, you know, you stop university, you go into work, you meet, maybe you meet the, your, your, the one, you meet the one, <laughs> you start having children, you know, you start doing the financial stuff, you know, you start creating a life together, you know, or you take the roots, there's other roots. But the route that I took, which wasn't planned, hmm. was I must have played up at 16. Yeah, I must have been naughty. I was naughty, rude, but I was only a 16-year-old. Hmm. And my mum kicked me and my brother out, hmm. uh, me and Charlie. She kicked us out. And I was 16. He was 15. And uh, we were like, okay, no problem. So we had our suitcases. We went to the police station and said to them, we're homeless. And they said, and so, you know what I mean? Go home. So what we did, we just opened our suitcase, took out a couple of blankets, and just went to sleep on the bench in the police station. And then a few hours later, the social services came. I mean, no one told us to do this, you know. <laughs> I think you follow instinct or whatever. So the social services came, they asked us some questions, they took my brother, they took us both home. Um, because my brother was still underage, they, you know, my mum took him back, but she wouldn't take me back. I was cool with that. I met up with um, 
now I realize bad friends. Then I didn't realize they were bad friends. Mm. You know, one thing also, my mum did tell me the right things, yeah? Don't follow bad people. Don't follow friends. Don't follow friends. Don't follow friends. You know, and all that talk. She did tell me all that. I knew all of this. However, you know, I'm out of the house. You know, I thought it's it's all her fault. She threw me out. I tried my best. I wanted to please her. You know, you know the blame game. I did the blame game for years. I did the blame game for years. So, um, you know, and then I, obviously I attracted um, bad people, met up with bad people, older people, and, um, you know, they introduced me to smoking, uh, you know, the, what we call happy backy. <laughs> they call it happy backy, funny stuff. And, um, yeah, and, and also... Uh, um, crime as well mm. you know and um, so whereas normal teenagers were maybe falling in love or having butterflies and and you know enjoying college and university my university started in prison mm. on the streets you know I am um, you know did what I was told to do you know I was I was praised on the street you know, that's another thing. That's why I told my friend when she'd tell off her, her, her children, I would tell her, it's cool, it's okay to tell off your children, but please find something that they've done that's good right. and praise them for that. Please, I beg her. She's doing it now. Find something good. It's very hard to find something that's good, especially when you're used to, you know, always telling them to, to keep quiet, to, you know, oh, I'm talking, can't you see I'm talking, keep quiet, you know, yeah, that's all right. But when they are quiet, you know, they're drawing, they're colouring, they're watching TV, they're playing video games, even if you don't like them playing video games, tell them, thank you. You say, oh, well done. You've, you know, you've sat there for 10 minutes quiet. Well, well done. Listen, you know, and then even reward them. This is one thing I've learned, even now as an adult, 53-year-old. We, as humans, love praise. Mm. We love praise and we love to be rewarded for doing good. And many of our employers, and please employers, don't reach out to me and cuss me. Yeah, But it's true, because where I work, I tell them, come on, stop ostracizing or, or you know, Showing your employees that all you want is is just you want to use them for the money to their hours, their hours. No, give them some praise. I bet you that if you give your employees praise, the sickness um, going off sick will go down. Yeah, it's because we we live we live in a society, and I I think that's true pretty much everywhere. That and it's it's it's, it's you're right. It's he applies with kids. He applies with work in the sense that we try to manage people with fear. Like if you if you do this wrong or if you're bad, mm. then this will happen, some sort of punishment, uh, yeah. or I'm going to take some money or you're not going to get a raise, or, but there's some sort of punishment. Yeah. Rather than if you do well, this, this is going to happen. And that's way more efficient, but somehow on a global scale, we manage to use 
the fear rather than the, the praise, like you said. And yeah. So you think the reason you were, you, you got caught up into those bad relationships and everything is because yeah, you, to get a sense of like self-worth cause you, you, you got kicked out. So you had a bunch of people there that at, at this time you thought they were your friends and because they were praising you and, and that was giving you a sense of like a purpose and maybe people like believe in you. So that was like boosting your confidence. Uh, as I told you, I, I don't have the manual. However, I'm sure the reason why I, I performed for those friends was because they must have been praising me, mm. um, you know, um, or maybe I felt, I felt I belonged. Yeah. I actually skipped a bit because I think this bit I skipped and I, I didn't skip it deliberately. So please forgive me. But when I was 11 to 14, I was shipped off to Nigeria. Again, my mother, my mother said, because you're naughty, because you're bad, you're going to your uncle in Nigeria. So she shipped us off to Nigeria. We were excited because we were put on a plane by ourselves, me and Charlie. And we, we ended up in Nigeria. But the first day or second day, you know, I was eating off the plate, you know, my uncle and, I, and the plate dropped and broke. And my uncle beat me, across, slapped me across the head with a bunch of keys, called me a stupid child or something, or your mother told me that you were whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I, as I said, this is normal. So from 11 to 14, three and a half years I was there, um, you know, there were some good times, you know, we had a lot of cousins and that, but, you know, it's, there was a lot of terrible times, which to me is normal. You know, I've been brought up to believe that I'm naughty, I'm bad, you know, and the reward for being naughty and bad is being beaten. But the beating was now, the beating was to another level. Oh, this is when the beating started because my mum didn't beat me. Yeah. I was beaten, you know, with belts first and my and with anger. My uncle was angry. And then with sticks on my hand and then with something the Nigerians call a koboko, which is like a whip, uh, uh, like a horse whip with three thongs. And, you know, I would be naked. And I'd be getting beaten with this, and it would rip the skin off my off my frame. And then his wife would, you know, try to soothe me afterwards, you know, you know, to try and soothe the pain. It would rip my even now. At fifty three, I've still got the scars on my arm, and I I believe that that as well made my mind, you know, really made my shaped my mind and made me angry but I couldn't do anything because I was a, a, a child I was you know 11 12 13 14 I was getting beaten for things like not cleaning properly not you know in Nigeria cars it's dusty cars get dusty I had to wash his cars big Range Rovers I'd get on a bench to try and get the top I'd miss the middle I don't know I miss him I can't even see the middle but because I've missed the middle I'll get another beating you know my skin will get ripped you know, my arse would be sore, my hands would be swollen. And, um, you know, I just got used to this. And I remember one time, actually, as a kid, I said to myself, I wanted to kill this man. And I thought about it and I thought, well, if I kill him, because he knows so many people, because he was a wealthy guy, um, he, 
you know, they would fight, catch me or, or I'd fail and then he'd beat me more. Yeah. So um, uh, one day he went, he went out and he got robbed and killed. And my mother came for the funeral and she wanted to leave us with another uncle. And I thought, another uncle? Are you? No way. We cried. We screamed. We held on to her, her coattails. We said, no, we're coming back to London. So she was kind of baffled, but she brought us back to London. So, yeah, I was all, my mind also was shaped mm. with that. And it, it's only taken my customers on my bus today that showed me that everything I'd faced was abuse. Because I thought it was normal, you know. You know, when you tell your child off, when you tell your child off, no. When I tell, you know, when I'm I'm told off, but then I'm told that you know I love you, or I'm beaten, or you know your you know your uncle really loves you, then that's that's two messages you're hearing in your mind as yeah. a child. You know, you're getting beaten. But you're getting beaten and you're told you're, you're loved. You see? So that's why I said earlier, children don't listen to what you tell them. They do what you do. You know, and I must, yeah. I think as well, being told from a young age all throughout childhood and teenage years that you're a bad person, <laughs> like that obviously has effects on you. And you think, well, if I'm a bad person, I need to do bad things. And, you know, I'm not a good person, so I'm not going to do good things. I think kind of, it, you know, if you get told enough times... It's like when people think, oh, you're going to cheat on me, you're going to cheat on me, you're going to cheat on me. Well, if you think I'm going to cheat on you, you may as well cheat on you. Like, you're already blaming me for something that I haven't done. And I kind of think similar things. If you're always told that you're a bad person, you must just kind of lose hope in yourself of being a good person because you kind of think, well, I must be then. If, you know, everyone's telling me this. I must just be. And I'm, you know, just the way yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit more about, you touched on it, about going to prison and also about the crimes that you committed. I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but I'd like to know about prison because... I don't really know what it's like in England. I mean, I've seen documentaries about prisons in the US and it looks insane, like crazy, dangerous and awful. Um, talk to us about whatever you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine as well. But I'm kind of curious to know what your experience was like. Well, uh, please forgive my network connection. Um, <laughs> I, as I said, all, all, all the crap started at 16. Getting, uh, you know, meeting up with bad people and um, getting into to crime. Firstly, it was car theft. I, I learned to drive in Nigeria. And so um, someone showed me how to nick a car. So that was the first thing I got arrested for was was um, car theft, and then as 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 it, as you do, you as you learn more. Um, it's, I think there's a principle in life, and if you're not taught this principle, and you just go, you just allow life to take you, because life is good. Mm. Life is good. However, people that people that you tend to link with depending on the kind of people you link with you may follow their path so the principles are the same 
you know, as I said, you're, you're 16, you, you you do the things 16-year-olds do, you go to college, you have a girlfriend, you have a crush, you fall in love. But I took another path because I didn't have direction. And, um, you know, now I'm not, I'm not proud of it. And I wished life was different. Mm-hmm. However, I found that people are interested, not in the mess, but the message, the turnaround, the how did I turn it around? Yeah. So, yes, I was involved in crimes. I'm not proud of, of them. Um, and our excuse was, you know, to survive so that I could, you know, buy my, my weed and buy my trainers. Um, so I'll take money off people and I got arrested and, um, you know, grasped myself up actually had no experience at all of not talking. So I had grasped myself up, telling myself and end up going to prison. So I got three years. My first, no, my first sentence was nine months, then it was three years, and then it was three years. And the reason I'm saying it so quickly, because I, I got into the habit of of going to prison, that it, I, all, all I had to do is do the same thing again, and then I'll get arrested and go to prison. Now, I didn't do it deliberately, mm. yeah, but we know the power of habit. If you do something over and over again, it becomes a habit. Mm. So it became a habit. And in my mind, I was thinking, why am I? Why do I keep going to jail? You know, why am I? Why do I keep? You know, what? Why? See, I didn't think that the, Pat, the only reason why you keep going to jail because you keep doing bad things. My mother would come and visit me. Bless her cotton socks. Did she wear cotton socks? She used to come and visit me. <laughs> I love that phrase, that English phrase. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. <laughs> She she said to me, Kule, because my, my Nigerian name is Kule. She said, Kule, I didn't know England until you and your brother. Because Charlie also, when he when he left home, he en- ended up following this bad road as well. She said, until she started visiting us all over the UK in different prisons, all over the UK. Right. So I couldn't understand why. But I've learned today as well that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, my mother used to say to me, Kule, you love what you, you love being in prison. I said, mom, no, I don't. What do you mean I love being in prison? What kind of, what kind of foolishness? Say, Kule, you love prison. And you know, guys, it took me years to think about that and to come up with the answer that obviously I must love being in prison. No one loves to go to prison. However, in order, the reason why I'm told I love being in prison, going to prison is because I kept doing the things that sent me there. Yeah. How long did you spend in prison overall? Like everything added up together. Do you know how many years that was in total? Yeah, it was um, a total of about se- a ten and a half year sentence. So, 
I've spent about seven years um, in in prison, um, and you know, I heard prison in Niger in not Nigeria. Nigeria is even worse. In the US, is terrible. Mm. Um, you know, in England, they they try to look after their prisoners. <laughs> um you know and we had things like you know bricklaying they did try their best we've got education there bricklaying you know they encourage you to to learn something right yeah um however and i did try i did plumbing i did bricklaying but i think it starts from the mind and are we gonna get we're gonna go into that in a bit in this story it starts from the mind because to be named now as London's happiest bus driver. It, I didn't just wake up and decide. Mm. Yeah, it was a mindset shift. So yeah, so um, all through my young years where I should have been meeting girlfriends and going college, my, my education was in prison um, and, and having to defend myself as well. You know, because, um, you know, there was a lot of violence, a lot of angry young men in jail. Uh, I, I don't know, they went through the same thing I went through. So there was a lot of fights. I got into a lot of fights. I got stabbed in prison. Um, you know, I've also done my own share of um, dishing it out as well. Mm. Um, wh how, why is that? Because I don't know. Is it because I got beaten? Survival. You know? Survive, yeah, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Um, yeah. So what changed then? What's the... You, 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 you've been to prison back and forth. Uh, the last time you went, why did you not go back? What, what changed? Well, that's a great question because I was going back and forth, back and forth, and I came out at around 21 and I was fed up, fed up, 21, 22. And I met a friend who introduced me. I told him that I can't take this prison thing, bruv, you know, and he introduced me to, he took me to King's Cross and he introduced me. And I'm not going to say too much about this because, <laughs> Um, but yeah, he took me to King's Cross, and back in the days, King's Cross was known for drug, like uh, drug use, drug addiction, drug selling. King's Cross was a, a, a red zone, a hot spot for drug users, alcoholics, drug deals, drug houses, violence. Listen, if you go to King's Cross today, if any of your listeners are listening, don't be put off. King's Cross is clean now. They've turned it around. King's Cross is, you would never recognize it now. Mm, it okay. is beautiful. You know, when regeneration, the stations of, you know, and now they, they run them. Well, you can't actually totally run drug dealers. You've got to, you just push them to another area. So yeah, they push them, them yeah. to another area. So King's Cross and Houston is free. Of, 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 of drug dealers and, 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 you know, you might get a few beggars or homeless people that are begging, you know, um, you know, but you, if you see those, you could just drop a, a, a polite word and, and, and a, a word of encouragement and to even tell them that, um, London's happiest bus driver once was homeless and, you know, you can look him up if you've got a phone. 
and that, and then he will come and help you, not financially, but with um, words of wisdom and maybe when they're ready to stop using, then I could um, guide them. But that's obviously, we'll talk about that in the future. So yeah, I was into, the, so he took me to King's Cross, introduced me to this guy who was making money. Within five minutes, I saw he was exchanging goods and collecting money. And I thought, yo, whatever he's doing, I'm in. So I got involved. Hmm. I didn't go to no business school. However, I think I um, I moved like a businessman. Uh, you know, I learned business on the streets. Um, the person who I worked for, he turned out started working for me because he was using and I wasn't. Mm. And um, I I enjoyed it. I really really enjoyed it. But I think now what I enjoyed was the customer service because I um. A lot of the customers and a lot of the homeless people and, and that they came under my protection. Let's put it like that. So if anyone tried to bother them, they would mention my name and the people would leave them alone. Mm. Now, as I'm saying to you, I'm not proud of the life I led, but there are lessons which I've mm, learned absolutely. in this life. And it is only because of being a bus driver that I've, I've realized that there are lessons that we can learn from our rubbish, the, you know, the rubbish that we've, the life we've led in the past, and we could turn, we could use it for good today. So, um, yeah, I learned business on the street, um, hustling, ducking and diving. I hardly, I didn't sleep, just like you guys. And I'm aware that it is late in Miami at the moment, you know, but, you know, was it money? No, I don't think it was the money. I didn't know how to spend money. Um, it was just, it was just buying and the selling, the thrill, buying, mm. selling, dealing with people, you know, being respected, um, you know, and, and that, yeah. So, And I guess being good at something. You've been yeah. told for I don't know how many years that you're bad and, and everything and you're being good at it. So yeah. it's self-worth, it's self-esteem. It's, it's oh, yeah. maybe I can do this. Right. Yeah, but it's automatic though because I weren't told I was good at hustling. Yeah, um, mm. but obviously I must have felt like I, I was doing something good because the customers were, were happy mm. and I made sure I, I sourced good products and um, gave them good value, um, you know, and these, these are things that show me that, you know, I had good in me somewhere, uh, but I just didn't know it, you know, and also because of being, like, being beaten and being in prison and fighting, you know, I, I will, as you can see, because you can see me, yeah, but I don't know if your viewers can see me, yeah. and there are a lot of people tell me that even though I'm smiling, they tell me, Pat, we wouldn't want to see you in no dark alley. We can't even imagine that you, your life was like this. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, even if you gave me five hours, it wouldn't be enough to fill in all the, all the pain and all the violence and all the madness of that section of my life. Yeah, but I hope to put it in a book um, in sometime in the very near future. 
because uh, it's 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 you know people need to know because people are suffering today. People are going down the same route that I went down, you know, and their parents or their family members are signing them off. Um, but you don't need to sign them off. Please don't sign them off. Um, be there, support them, help them, not support them in what they're doing. You understand? Yeah, be loving. Yeah, be loving. yeah, be loving. Because, you know, they, they're going to blame you anyway. <laughs> you understand? But don't, you know, don't blame yourself. You know, you've done a great job as a parent or as an uncle and auntie, you know, um, but just support that, that, that young person or that, yeah. And one day they will come out of it and then, you know, they could remember that, yes, you were what the catalyst who really believed in them. So um, I spent a few years on the street, not knowing how to spend money, so just making money. And then I met a lovely person who um, I fell in love with, <laughs> I think. And um, she helped me to spend my money, but there was a lot of it, so... <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't actually run out but the part of me being a businessman that's why it's always good to go to a proper business school and not learn from the, the school of hard knocks <laughs> or from the street because you know I got to a stage where um, I, did, I got kind of lazy so I didn't leverage others you know I, I, I was thinking like a self-employed person <laughs> I can do it all myself I can do it all myself I didn't leverage others and then, you know, I was spending, travelled, and I got the love of travelling, started travelling everywhere and spending money, and and obviously before you knew it. And then I, I went and started to use the products, and I, I went downhill, um, ended up getting arrested again. Uh, yeah, get, getting, getting arrested again and coming out, and I was using, and then I came out, um, was homeless, but I, I just determined not to, um, to to use. So I stopped. There's a couple of times which when I stopped, you know, on and off, on and off, in and out, in and out. Right. Um, I had stints of being homeless as well. You know, um, over 20 years homeless in between being in hostels. This is after all that madness of King's Cross. Mm. Yeah, and realizing that I couldn't do that no more. Not because it was I thought it was bad. Because I didn't think what I was doing was bad, you know, then. You know, now I know it, it was. And I'm really, and that's another reason why I'm happy and I'm so grateful. Because many of my friends have either died from overdoses or have, or have died from being killed, mm. you know, for, for you know, what they're, they're doing. Or have been thrown into prison and the key has been thrown away. You know, um, I've done the prison bit. Uh, and I think I... Yeah. Um, do you mind me asking about the drugs? Kind of how it, I mean, I mean obviously if, if you're surrounded by it as something that kind of, you know, you must be curious, I wonder what that's like. I, I guess you started on something that was like a gateway drug, maybe weed or something, and then kind of went from there and it, it must have escalated maybe. I'd, like, I don't know. How do... Yeah, that's a great question, yeah. Um, yeah, it started off with weed from 16, you know, being introduced to weed and how, I didn't know about weed, I didn't have to smoke weed, but I wanted to belong and so I learned. Mm. And then, um, and this is what they say and it's true, you progress. So yes, I was um, 
I went on to to harder drugs, which, um, you know, as I said, I, I stopped and I started doing what I was doing, and then, you know, I someone introduced me to even harder drugs, and I thought, no, no, I don't smoke harder drugs. I just take weed, but then. You know, because they kept offering it to me. No, I don't think it's because they wanted to hook me, but it's because they didn't want to smoke alone. I think it's that kind of thing. It's like so, peer pressure, isn't it? You know, everyone else is doing it at a party or something, so you just think, oh, I'll just try it and yeah. whatever. But this wasn't a party. But, I, yeah, it's true. Even at a party, yeah, you know, you've got to be really strong, um, you know. And I, my message today as well is say no to drugs. Say no to drugs. You know, I, I'm really vehement vehement or how we pronounce that word about I've the never message. heard that word before so oh, Lord, I have no idea. Message. okay <laughs> um you've been in america too long <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm only kidding yeah um you know my a strong message against drugs you know say no to drugs kids don't use drugs you know um listen to mum listen to dad as long as they're together and um, they're not giving you mixed messages, but also listen to yourself. But please say no to drugs. You know, um, even if you don't get praise at home, praise yourself. You're worth it. Praise yourself. Look in the mirror and tell yourself. Um, I don't do it enough though, but um, I should tell myself, Patrick, you're cute. <laughs> By the way, yeah. guys, if if you haven't seen a picture of him, Google him. He's a beautiful man with a big smile, like you were saying earlier. You know, people, the listeners might not know that you're this happy, you know, happy guy, and the story kind of doesn't relate quite to who you are now. So, if you want to Google him while you're listening, you can do, and you'll see who we're talking to. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, do you know what? As a kid, my mum and she, listen, she didn't know any better, and I'm, I don't blame her, but I still have to mention this. My mother told me for years, you know, we're taking family pictures. She said. Kule, don't smile. You know you don't look good in pictures. Don't smile. So my mum used to tell me this for years. Don't smile, don't smile. So when I read a book, I, I started reading many books when I turned my life around. And the book, the title of the book was How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've got a book right here. Mm. How right. to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This book was the catalyst you know, was the, um, you know, was the bouncing scale to, to propel me to where I am today. It, so bef it, before we get to that, um, can you explain to us how you shifted the mindset and the last time you went to prison, why did you go back to prison? What, what happened? So you... Yeah, why did you stop selling drugs? Why, yeah. why, what was the thing that clicked and you're like, Do you know what, I've had enough. I'm going to read a book and change my life and what happened there? Rosie, I yeah. didn't say I was selling drugs. Yeah, I, I, I didn't say that. Sorry. Right? And um, actually, yes, I was selling drugs. And for the police and lawyers out there or prosecution service, I've been actually convicted of of, of that that. Um, that period as well. You can check my records, yeah? I have been convicted. I uh, received a prison custodial sentence, uh, five years actually for for that. For those coppers out there that um, 
that thing. Oh, yes, we've got him. We've got him now. He's admitted it on a podcast that he was a drug dealer. Um, no, now I want to help the police and the probation service and um, any service that works with youngsters. You know what I mean? It's pointless putting me in prison because you're not going to win. Use me to help you to get to those youngsters, those hard-headed youngsters that who who didn't just start from a teenage. It started from then when they were kids. They were hard for them. They were kids. Use me. Use. There's many of us out there, not just me, who can get to them because we can speak from the same page that they're on. Young man, I once was there. You know, I once carried a, 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 a firearm. And that's another thing I could admit to because I handed my firearm to the police. Thank God I didn't use that firearm or I have never shot anyone. Um, my mind was mad enough, actually. <laughs> you understand? But uh, that's for another um, issue. I was, I was saying more about that in my book. But um, yeah, I, I, when I turned my life around, the first time I became a Christian. And at that time, I had a shotgun. And so I was actually on bail as well. So I had to go and surrender to bail. So I went to surrender to bail, walked into the police station with a Bible. And I told the policeman that, you know, my life is different now. I'm a Christian and um, I want to do the right thing. And I, 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 this is how I was. I was like um, stuttering. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've got something that I, 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 I want to. Um, um, and they said, yeah, yeah, what is it? What is it? And I said, it's a, and they said, what, a gun? And I said, yes. And I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I want to hand it in. And um, they said, oh, okay. So they said, well, bring it to the police station. And then they thought about that. And they thought, no, 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 don't bring it to the police station. You might get stopped and arrested on the way. So they followed me to my mother's house where I put it to collect it. Um, and, um, you know, and the policeman said he also was a Christian, but he kept worrying. He kept telling me, are you sure it's unloaded? Are you sure it's unloaded? I said, yes, it is unloaded. Have faith. I thought you said you were a Christian. So, um, yeah, that I my life turned then where um, I became a Christian, right? And I, I called myself a, bo- a born-again Christian. Mm-hmm. However, that, that, that was for a few years. And within that Christianity, I got married and I had um, a child. And um, But what happened in 2000 and... I mean, I got a bus driver. I got my driving license in 2000. Um, then the church pressured me. They said that uh, I shouldn't work on a Sunday. You know, God created earth in six days. So... Sunday's rest day but as a bus driver it's it's a seven day a week job it's mm. you know five days out of seven and it's um what do you call it like a rotor yeah but um shift work that's right yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know early's middles lates and from like seven days so five days out of seven so um there were times when I had to work on a Sunday but remember I came into into this Christian world as a roadman coming from the streets and um, I'm not blaming the church. However, I believe that churches, they need to have departments in your church, which um, you've got experienced people to help people who've come from homelessness, who've come from drug addiction, who've come from a life of violence, so that you could, you know, teach them 
because they don't know. You might think that, oh yeah, you know, just do it. You know, do what? All I know is how the life I've led, you know, but I'm willing to learn now. Yeah, but this, so this church didn't have that department. Maybe it was for me to create that department, but I didn't know what I know today. I mean, what I know today, if I knew today what I know, if I knew to then what I knew today, then I most probably would have created that department for that church. Because I really believe that if a person sees a need somewhere, like, you know, how to improve a company or how to improve their church, then, you know, I think that that vision was given to them, not for them now to find someone else to do it. You know, that vision was given to them because they saw it and maybe they've got some qualities in them which can help to 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 bring this vision forward. Yes, now we do need others, you know, other people's skill set to, you know, to involve others, leverage other people. Yeah, so, yeah, I got my driving license, my PCV bus license in 2000. I was a Christian then. And um, then... The church pressured me into, you know, about the, the rules of the Bible, not working on a Sunday. So I left my job, oh. you know, and but I had a wife and children to support, you know, and that's what I'm saying. You know, I didn't know how to be a, a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how to look after a family, yeah. you see. And, you know, I am... Um, and I and all I knew was being a bus driver, but now my church, who who you know I respected, are telling me that I I can't work on a Sunday. I feel that if I was told that, even if they said to me, look for another job, don't leave your job until you find another job. Yeah. You know, you know, advised me. Mm-hmm. You see, but um, yeah, I didn't get that advice, and I took that decision on myself. Because I didn't, as I said, I, I, you know, I don't have experience of looking after anyone uh, but myself. They told me as well, trust God, trust God. I, I couldn't understand what does that mean, trust God. You know, when you're on the streets, you're homeless, you know, you're, 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 you're dealing, you're doing stuff. You, I mean, you've got to trust yourself, your instincts, you know. You know what I mean? You've got to duck and dive, you know what I mean? You can't trust anyone. So now church is telling you to trust God. You think, who's God? Who am? You know, so, you know, they get got it wrong, really. So... I, one day I was sitting in my car, crying, thinking, how can I support my family? You know, and I think, what can I do? I was, I was in tears. I couldn't, be, you know, because the reason why I was in tears because all I could think about was going back right. to dealing, because that's mm. all I knew. You know, I didn't think that I could retrain. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So Christianity wasn't enough to turn this mind around, to change this heart. It wasn't. So in answer to that, your question about where was the mindset change, even though I became a Christian and my life did change, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I went to jail. No, I, I started again dealing. It, it, you know, things happened so fast. I got arrested. Went to jail, got a big, got a sentence, and um, I was a good boy. And eventually, after three years and 
four months I got um, released. I got a DCAT. Then I, I, I got released. Um, I went back to my old friends. And they and they were using drugs. And then they got me involved in hard drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, all intentions was not to do that. You know, yeah, I'm going to do good. I'm gonna, not going to come back to prison. The prison officers are saying that. Yeah, Patrick, we're going to keep your bed for you. You know, that's what they say. You get, you leave prison, they tell you that they will keep your bed for you. You know, so I came out, and life was worse, 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 worse. Listen, I wouldn't even wish this life on on my worst enemy. I don't even have enemies. I don't think so, right? Um, I wouldn't wish it on my worstest, worstest enemy. I I describe it as, you know, I was homeless scurrying through the dark streets and even rats big fat gray rats would look at me and tell me what are you doing here move on the rats would tell me to move on terrible Mm. terrible and you know even thinking about it and again remember i thought it was normal it's only being voted as London's happiest bus driver by my customers, which has made me see that it is a terrible life I've led. You know, that is, it's, it's, and people are leading that life today. Mm. You may see them on the streets, they're stinking, they're begging, you know, they're leading even worse lives than me. Mental health, my mental health was shot. so so what i what i get is that you even if you had at some point the intention to change and to go on the right path and you thought that christianity would be helpful but i feel you were lacking support and guidance right you you it's like figure it out okay but (laughs) i mean if it was that easy so what where did you find the guidance Jeremy, that's right. What you said is right. Yeah. Um, figure it out. I didn't know how to figure it out. You know, I've messed up up until now, up until then. Um, you know, we're in 2021 now. So 2001, that's 20 years ago. So I was in my 30s. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so... Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> no, so where where did you find the guidance? Where did you find the, the support? Okay, that's it. Uh, where did I find the guidance? Well, do you know what? I think, firstly, I don't want to... There's nothing wrong in being a Christian. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong in being a Christian. Because what I've realized now is that you know, people need to belong into something, in a group. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can have fellowships, so you can have friends. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to find something that suits you. Um, but I realised that, you know, I, I blame church. I even turned my back on God and Christianity. Um, you know, and I, t- and I told them that, you know, when they told me to come back to church, I said, no, I'm not going back. I said, didn't we always sing that song? Forward ever, backward never. So I'm not going back. No, sorry. And... <laughs> The guidance came from within me. That's the only way I could describe it. The guidance came from within me because 
uh, and learning today from doing spending time in meditation, spending time in reading books, spending time in listening to people that I I look up to, you know, reading positive affirmations and quotes. These I get guidance from those. Mm-hmm. and seeking so now that's where the bible comes alive to me now so even though i don't call myself a christian i, I more call myself spiritual mm-hmm. yeah but that's where i get the guidance now um i like that's where the bible comes alive to me now where it says seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be answered ask and it shall be given unto you right in everything even in business in relationships that's what people do. And this is what I notice with business people or people that have a dream and a vision and a goal, they're always seeking to be better, seeking to be, you know, seeking mentors, you know, around them so that they could not, so they can be focused, so they won't be distracted by the glitter on the side, you know, by the drug use, by the partying, by, you know, but that they can be focused on their studies. They can be focused on building a good life. They can be focused on being a good husband. They can be focused on being a good Christian. They can be focused on being London's happiest bus driver. <laughs> and the the shift, uh, did it happen when you were in jail or it's when you got out and you were like, okay, I'm out and this time I'm not going back. So I've got this. Or uh, when was that? The shift, the shift happened when about seven or eight years ago, I, I was still using secretly. Um, I was on benefits in England, and you know this was a very terrible period of my life. I would, I would take my children's benefits money and use it to, to buy drugs. I was selling the big issue at that time, so I was earning an income daily, Monday to Friday. So I was still able to look after my children. They were living with me at the time. Um, I got a, a property from the, you know, because they were with me. So I managed to not be homeless, but I was still not homeless, but with a drug problem. I so one day I was invited to go to church and I was actually going to go to church but then you know I I decided no I'm not going to church I'm going to spend the night using um, because I had a lump of money so I, I went out went to a drug house and I was using and then I went to another drug house and I was just using And it was in this drug house that my past caught up with me. Somebody who I had hurt in the past, physically, violently, he he was with a couple of his friends and he met up with me in this drug house and he he said he knew me. He knew me from somewhere. And I said, no, you don't know me. I didn't know who he was. But then he remembered me and he said, oh, I was the one who cut, broke his shoulder, his collarbone. What I had done, I had kidnapped him, put him in my car, drove him away somewhere, and because I thought he, it was a drug deal gone wrong. I thought he was trying to 
um, shortchanged me. Hmm. So I um, took him somewhere and um, attacked him and threw him out of my car in the middle of nowhere. So he caught up with me, my past caught up with me in this house. And, you know, drugs weakens you as well. You know, um, I realized that because I couldn't defend myself. And as I said, I'm no, I'm no angel. Like I'm admitting here now that, you know, I've done something to someone. So you reap what you sow. I put it out there. So I got it back. You know, I was held in this house for five hours, um, beaten, tortured. I was beaten with metal poles, punched, tortured, um, subjected to violence and threats. And then towards the end, actually, he said to me, why am I not fighting back? And I couldn't. And in my mind, I thought, well, I can't be wrong and strong. I deserve this. I put the man through so much already. And so this is what I deserved. You know, I felt that I was like that anyway. I just maybe wanted to die because this life, you know, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So what, you know, so maybe I was just hoping that I was going to die then. However, um, the guy now says he wanted to kill me. And he was looking for a knife and he told me to stay in the room. And while I was in, while I was being actually beaten, in my mind, and I think it was the cocaine in my system that made my made me numb to the the attack. Maybe I don't know. Oh, but right. I um I thought of my children and I said to myself, what kind of memory would this be if, if I die in this drug house now? a junkie, you know, a low life, you know, I, uh, listen, I told you, if there, I was low of low, reached this, uh, the stage of life where, you know, the lowest of the low, and I thought to myself, what kind of memory am I going to leave my children that, you know, their dad died in a drug house, mm. you know, um, and I thought, no. So I kind of reached out to God or to the God within or whatever. And I said, God, if you can help me from this, then, you know, I will sort myself out. And then all of a sudden I had a picture in my mind to jump out the window. So I looked at the window and I thought, wow. And it, and it was an urgency. So I jumped on the bed and I flew headfirst through this window because it was double glazing. And I thought, flipping hell. So I flew headfirst through this window. I felt the pain, but I bounced back in the room. And I was so terrified. I said, oh my God, they heard me. They heard me. They're going to rush back in to try and stop me. So I kind of like done a second attempt. I just went headfirst, blam, straight the window broke. I couldn't believe it. There must have been an angel on the other side that, that done it. I don't even know how it happened. Thank God I was on the ground floor. And so I landed, I pushed myself out, got up, started to run. I noticed it was daylight. It was something like 7, 6 a.m. in the morning. I ran to this uh, newsagent shop. I told them if they could call the ambulance, you know. Um, and then obviously the ambulance, with the ambulance would come the police, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Because the man could see that I'd been in that I'm distressed and I've been in some problems. And um, anyway, I didn't say anything. They took me to the hospital and 
I admitted to the doctors that I had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. So this is another this is another lesson or story or to tell someone out there who knows someone who's struggling in drugs or is struggling in drugs themselves. Mm-hmm. You cannot force anyone to stop using drugs. It's not possible. You can't threaten them with their child. You're going to withhold their child from them or you're going to take their child from them or whatever. Or you're going to withhold love from them or you're not going to whatever. You know, um, a lot of us are number one liars. We could we could make you we just we, we could just make you bring you to our way of thinking. We could just deceive you to make you believe that we're 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 we want to stop, but it's not happening. The only way for a person for you to for a person to stop using is if they themselves want to stop. Now you can sow seeds, you know, of love, of I'm there for you. You know, you can do it. You know, what do you want in life? You know, remind them of their visions and their goals and tell them that they can do it. But, you know, you might not be able to be the one to change them at that time. You know, but if everyone puts in positive and love, not putting down, not putting down, but lifting up, lifting up, lifting up. So what's happened is that over the, you know, over the years that all the messages I got, you know, it brought me to this day. I decided that enough was enough. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. There were times I wanted to die and I couldn't even die, kill myself successfully. Um, so now I'm still alive. So I've come clean to the to the to the doctors. I said, listen, I've got a drug problem. And I told them I've also got kids at home as well. I mean my kids were teenagers. I think they were like um yeah, they were teenagers, like 13, 14. So the poly- the hospital sent the social workers there to question them. So they saw that they were okay. Because I was looking after them and trying my best, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, the social workers came and they supported me. They sent me to a drug rehab place. And, um, and But the turnaround was then, that from being held hostage, wanting to die, but then thinking about my children and then reaching out to the universe or to my inner God or whatever, yeah, and, and taking action and then continuing, you know, and telling myself, I'm, listen, I need to give this up. This is, is the drug used, the drug, you know, that lifestyle is what's, what's effing me up. It's messing me. I need to, you know. So that is the point, I believe, where the turnaround was. And I went to the drug services. You know, they put me on their medication um, to get off the hard drugs. I mean, I was on heroin. I was addicted to heroin right. as well as crack cocaine. Yeah. So I want to tell you the level I've reached, the level that I've reached. And so I went to the drug rehab place and took their advice. Everything they told me, because my toolbox was totally empty. I was totally drained. And I needed tools. And they told me I needed tools. So I, um, they gave me tools to, to dig myself. Because that's another thing. All this, all through life, I was hoping someone else would see my plight and dig me out of the shit. Right. 
I hope I could use that term. Yeah. Because yeah, there are some yeah. words you've got to use to describe the depth yeah. of rubbish you've, you know. So I was hoping someone would see my plight and dig me out. And now I've realized that you've got to dig yourself out. No, you know, all the blaming mum, blaming dad, blaming the probation, blaming the police, you know, yeah, you can do all the blaming, but at the end of the day, you've got to want to, I, you've got to want to stop, you've got to want to turn your life around. And then when you make that decision, and it's an honest decision, the universe backs you up. The universe starts sending you people to help you along that journey. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, the social services came. They realized that the kids are good. I am taking care of them. I just had this drug problem and I'm engaging with the drug services. So they left me and my kids alone. And, you know, and I just I just engaged with the drug services. I mean, I relapsed once by not listening to them. You know, I thought I was clean and I went to a drug friend who I don't blame her. You know, I told her I was feeling a bit rough and she said, well, obviously the subutex hasn't kicked in. And I thought, well, yeah, I think it hasn't kicked in. So she said, suggested I, I use, use. And I said, well, they told me if I use heroin on top of subutex, it will, it, it will be terrible for me. And she said, well, it's not holding you, so you need to use. So I said, oh, okay. So I hit the fuck it button. Yeah, you know that that button where you just think, oh, you know what? Yeah. Oh, f it, bam. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, we called a man, and and you know, and it was true what they told me, the professionals. I'd have a worse, worse. I wouldn't feel high, and I didn't feel high. I felt worse, 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 worse. I even cussed this my friend, you know that. You know what I mean? And she she looks like said, well, you know, I didn't force you. You understand me? I'm trying to help you. And you know what? It's true. I think she was trying to help me. I don't know. So um. Um, but I, I was, I went back for, for about a week. I, I really went back to a depth of using, but it was for about a week. And then I, 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 I called the dealer. I said, come and deliver to me. He said, no, I should come to him. I said, no, I'm not going to you. So, you know, one day led to two days, then three days clucking. And I thought, oh, they said it takes three days for heroin to get out of your system. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm clean. So I dragged myself up, went to an NA meeting. NA as well helped me a lot. And this is, again, fellowship, you know, fellowshipping with like-minded people. You know, that's why I, I agree or with people that who join groups, well, not illegal groups or bad groups, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, groups that will help you to get to where you want to go, you know, like, so church, you know, NA um, and all the, you know, AAs and the GAs and, and all the other groups out there. I mean, there's meet-up groups now that, you know, you just plug in what you like and you can just meet up. Maybe not now in lockdown, um, <laughs> you know, but you can meet on a Zoom call, you understand? But yeah, that was the change. And then, I, you know, I said to them, well, I want to stop, I want to come off this uh, subutex. And they said, okay. So I, they started to weave me down off it you know, two milligram by two milligram, wean me off. It took a year to wean off that. And then um, at the at the last little bit, they, um, I went into a, de a detox, you know, so I was in a, in a safe environment, 
medically supervised um, hostel kind of detox place for 10 days to get off that last bit. And um, so I got off that last bit, went to volunteer myself in the drug service as a as a um, service user rep, you know, to help other people struggling. And then I like thought, a mentor. Yes, actually, that's yeah, like a mentor, okay. service user rep, mentor. Um, yeah, and then I and a lot of people who, who came off drugs always went into the drug services, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to follow people. I wanted to work, you know, because I still thought that because remember when. You know, I, I went back, I relapsed for a week, but I came back. So I didn't want to work amongst people using because I was terrified that I would relapse, you know. So I um, I did a, a bit of training, I, you know, I got some courses under my belt. And then I said to my support worker that um, her name's Amanda of uh, a group called SHP. I always promote them because they do great work. All them groups there. Before, I didn't believe them because I believed what other users said, junkies. They said that, oh, their services don't work. They don't. They do work, but you've got to work it. You know what I mean? You know, so, you know, my support worker, big up Amanda um, of SHP. What she, does it stand for, SHP? Single Homeless Project. Single Homeless Project. They help people to get into training and employment. So I told her that, well, I had a bus license and I'd like to get back into bus driving. So she says, okay, no problem. Leave that with me. And then um, she called me on a Friday, said to me, Patrick, she's excited. And said, Patrick, I found you the perfect job. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, it's too quick. It's too quick. She said, Patrick, don't worry. Don't think about it. I've set it up. You've got an appointment on Monday. Just take your, your bits and pieces and boom, you're going to do great. I thought, oh, okay, okay. So, <laughs> no pressure. So, yeah, yeah. So I went and I was honest with them from the beginning. I said to them, listen, well, it wasn't even bus driving. It was coach driving first, driving the community coaches, you know, like um, disabled people, elderly people. So I told them straight, I said, listen, I've got a criminal record. Is that going to be a problem? You know, I told him, obviously, my criminal record is not to do with, you know, well, it's, it's violence, but it's not, you know, and, and this is not like minimising my crime, you understand me? Mm. But obviously it's not against children or, yeah. or you understand, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and stuff. So, um, but they said to me, well, if it's a problem, it's not a problem with them, but if it's, if, if I, if I prefer, because I've got a PCV licence, I can become a bus driver, drive the London buses. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do anyway. So I, I, I shifted to uh, doing the bus driving stuff. I thought I had to retrain, but all I had to do is a medical to reactivate my PCV license, mm. which was, which, you know, like dormant for 13 years, for 13 years. Because remember I told you when I was crying in the car and I made a decision, because also that's the only tool I had in my box, to go back into dealing and then I got arrested and I got a sentence and came out and life got worse and you know and then but now um yeah so I I, I passed the um all the bits and pieces got all the certificates passed them then I was put out on the on the road on the buses and um 
you know, they send you out with a buddy driver. And so I, you know, so, you know, she's made me sit in the driver's seat to drive the bus. And uh, at the first bus stop now, I've turned to the side and I've opened the doors and I've greeted my customers. Good morning. You know, each, every one of them, it was rush hour. So, you know, a lot of customers come on the bus, 10, 20. This was before Corona. This was in 2017 when I started. Yes, 2017. So, and I did that at every bus stop. And the bus driver said to me that, well, we see how long you're going to keep that up for. She said, I used to do that when I started. And um, these customers are very rude. And, I, you know, I, I, I've stopped doing it, you know. And I thought, well, okay. You know, and I thought to her, well, she doesn't know the power of, um, like, repetition or the power of, um, uh, what's it? And I mentioned it. Habit. Habit. That, thank you, yeah. Rosie. Yeah, she doesn't know the power of habit. That's something you do continually. It becomes a habit. Mm. So, um, and because what happens that before the job interview at the buses, um, I was reading the, the book, how to win friends and influence people. And I also listened to Dell um, to Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill said, when you're in a job, do more than you're paid for. Do more than. Remember, my toolbox was empty. Yeah. So everything I learned in books, I applied it. Mm. Right? Every person I saw that was good, I saw a nice, kind giant of a guy. And I said, I love how this guy is so lovely and kind. I copied him. You know what I mean? I my toolbox was empty. The only thing I knew was to be to be hard, to be rude, to be bad, to be violent. You know, I never knew how to be good. When people told me over the years all I want to be is happy, I couldn't understand what they meant. I didn't know what happy meant. I said, "What do you mean happy?" Because I didn't know what happiness was. I didn't see my mum happy. You know. I'd, I wasn't told, taught happiness at, at school. I wasn't taught happiness in my home. I wasn't taught happiness in Nigeria. So I'm now, but I, um, yeah, so the book said to me, or Napoleon Hill said, do more than you're paid for. So I thought, okay, let me go and see what bus drivers are doing and see what I could bring to it. Right. So I noticed on the buses I was in, that the bus drivers weren't looking at the customers. They weren't talking to the customers. And I couldn't understand that. So I said to myself, I promised myself, I said to myself, Patrick, you're going to talk to every one of your customers. And that's what I did. I kept, I kept that promise to myself for the last four years, because I've been now a bus driver for four years. Um, and in my first 18 months, actually before that, you know, because of the way I was talking to my customers, saying good morning to them with a smile. My customers would be saying, wow, driver, you've got a lovely smile. Wow. Oh, driver, you're happy. And, you know, remember, you know, it, it took me nearly two and a half years, three years to understand what they meant about I've got a lovely smile because I grew up being told that mm. I shouldn't smile. I shouldn't smile at pictures. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't smile. You know, and because I didn't know what happiness was, when my customers were telling me, oh, you're happy, oh, you're happy, even I couldn't understand what they meant that I'm happy. Because what I decided to do was to greet my customers. Because I also, I download, thank God for YouTube, I downloaded <laughs> customer service videos and, you know, and I read customer service books and it told me 
that, you know, you must smile. He said, you must smile. You must look at your customers. You must, you know. So I just adopted these. Remember, my toolbox was empty. So I needed tools. So I adopted yeah. these tools. And I used them. I applied them. That's all I did. You know, I used the tools. I applied them. So very quickly, my company recognized me. And they said, can we put your picture up on the board? You know, and I said, no, no, I, I, I'm not doing this for recognition. I don't. And they said, no, it will help other drivers. And that's the angle I was coming from. You know, I wanted to help other people. So I thought, okay, if it will help other drivers, all right, then do it. And then, you know, commendations was coming in from customers. You know, customers were saying, wow, you've, you've got this driver. He's, he's, a, he's a big black guy. He's greeting all the passengers. He's saying hello. He's saying good morning. I just don't know what it is. It's just making me feel all fuzzy and, and, and soft and lovely. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, listen, go onto my website. Pat, www.patricklawson.co.uk I posted a lot of my um, uh, commendations on there you know what I mean so you could have a look and, and see and you know from, from genuine and also you can even put my name in Twitter I'm amazed Patrick Lawson bus driver or London's happiest bus driver or Patrick Lawson bus driver on Twitter just put that in on Twitter and you will see the comments because people maybe as they're on the journey they um, you know go onto Twitter straight away and, and, yeah. and make a comment you understand you see and the customers will say you're happy you're happy and if there's time for me to, to I'd look at them and say that what do you mean I'm happy you know or you know or they say oh why are you so happy or you know you got out of the bed you got out of bed on the right side of you know this morning yeah. and, and stuff and I think what do you mean I'm, I'm happy because all I've done is made a decision to deliver customer service I said this is what bus drivers should do you know because I'm not carrying goats or cows yeah. or, or boxes you know I'm, I'm carrying human beings you know and and you know I open my door so I see and you know what it's true that people can get you upset but I have to find a way to conquer that, get over that. So I call my customers family. I call them my friends because I would always give my family and my friends a chance. Hmm. Yeah. I would not sign you off. Do you understand? So I call my customers my family, my friends, and that helps me to, to see them as family and friends. So every time I turn and look to one, I give them a big smile yeah, even though I was told my smile is not good. Um, I give them a big smile. Well, it's better that I give them a smile because if I don't give them a smile, they must probably turn off my bus and get off. Because I'm not the best of lookers. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know what I mean? Even with this lockdown haircut, hairstyle, well, it's not even a haircut, it's afro, right? But anyway, yeah, so I'll turn around, give them a, a big smile, and I'll greet them. Good morning. And whilst on the journey, I would go on the PA system. I'd find out what's happening on the road, if there's road closures or diversions or bus stop closures. Because in the book that TFL, that's Transport for London, gives us, it tells us, you know, to look after our customers. It tells us that all your customers want is to be informed. They will just want to know that... Um, you don't know what's happening. Don't yeah. just stop your bus and don't inform your customers why you stopped your bus for five minutes. So I go on my PA system and I say, um, 
Yeah, good morning everyone. Welcome on board your Route 26 to Waterloo. Thank you for travelling with CT Plus on behalf of Transport for London. My name's Patrick and I just want to take this opportunity to wish you, and yes, I really do mean you, a very safe and a very good day. When leaving this bus, please take all your personal belongings with you. And I do that through the journey. I... Um, announce when there's bus stop closures, I announce when there's temporary traffic lights, you know, that's causing traffic. So, and I give my customers alternatives as well, that if there's a big traffic, I'll get, I, I would contact TFL, I'll say there's big traffic. Um, am I allowed to tell my customers to use the underground to get to where they need to get to? Right. TFL will get back to me and they'll say, yes, you can tell your customers to use the underground. So I will announce to my customers, you know, TFL says that you can use your bus ticket on the underground only in zone one because there's traffic here. You know, because I aim to serve my customers. And that's the same thing I did when I was on the streets yeah. doing it. Yeah, but doing I did business. it. I, yeah, doing business. And I didn't know it. Now, to those people as well who have a criminal record and say and say that, well, Patrick, I can't get a job because... Yeah, I was going to say that because, yeah, that, that that's something that it's amazing. You had this opportunity to get a job and you were helped by shp because i feel getting a job when you have a criminal record and when you've been an addict i mean it's hard anywhere yes it is hard it is very hard and um that was an obstacle that i had to face and i've realized that as humans we're born to solve problems if we look around us we see solutions to many problems your light switch the bulb the headphones, the PC, you know, your car, your bus, you understand? It's, it's to solve, so we're problem solvers. And this is, when I realized that, that's how I'm able to, to serve my customers. However, when I was obviously just um, clean off drugs and, you know, I was unemployed, I, I um, didn't know what to do because, you know, I had to write out a CV and, um, and I, there was a lot of gaps. Uh, so uh, they, so the professionals helped me. They said to me that, well, I've got transferable skills. Yeah. So as you know, the only skills I've got is selling, <laughs> buying and selling. Uh, I, 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 I did a bit of importing. <laughs> distribution. <laughs> distribution. <laughs> you know, so that's what I did. I put all of that in my cv you know like yeah, you 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 repackaged it <laughs> yeah i repackaged it yeah that's right i repackaged it and then the time that i spent in prison i i um i i i put that down as training because i was actually in education every time i was in prison i was in education or i was doing bricklaying or plumbing so i put that down as that i was just in some place doing this education so I didn't actually write I was in prison, but I was educa in education, in training. So I never had a gap. So in those gaps that when, if, if you're in prison, there's no excuses, mate. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're born to find answers. And the reason why a lot of us are frustrated is because um, we're not looking for those answers. The answers are out there. And I've found that now, especially today where you've got Google, you've got YouTube, you know, you've got podcasts like yours, you know what I mean? And many others that um, there are people out there that if what you don't know, someone knows. Someone has put it in a book. Yeah. You, yeah, you, there's you so understand? much free information out there. Yeah, but 
something interesting also is as a society we are not really forgiving like we don't a lot we don't give a chance a second chance to people it's like you this happened in your past uh you are this person you have this label now and you're in this box so sorry mate that's it uh, and we we don't give a chance to people and that's that's the problem that's why it's so hard to even if you make this decision even even if you have the intention to to do good uh i mean people have to believe in you and 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 as a society on a, anywhere that is not something we're good at i think listen i love your english accent that you said this <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I love that um you know what it's true um i've realized that people aren't forgiving but what i've learned is that yeah people aren't forgiving you know your part they hold your past against you um however what i have learned is that um they love it when you do something to save yourself you know so I, what i've realized now is that what people like is the fact that i've turned my life around that i'm no longer a, a, a drug addict i'm no longer a criminal you know you know and i use my story to help others now one of my managers at work i think he's got a story to tell but he's he's he doesn't want to share it but he said to me he said patrick you don't care what people think about you do you and i said you know what I, no i really don't actually i really don't because i mean i saw the big issue for five years um if you if those of you don't know what the big issue is just put it in the um in google big issue is a company started by a homeless person uh, it's a big company now and it helps homeless people it's not a handout it's a hand up it helps homeless people to earn um, an income by selling this magazine a magazine which has it's you know so it's a it's a it's not a homeless magazine but it's a magazine sold by homeless people and also even if that homeless person has got a home they still allow you to sell the magazine you know what i mean because obviously you're you're not stable you know when you've been you you've lived in a negative mindset for so long being homeless for so long like i have street homeless um you know um you need to feel that you're doing something so many of my customers as a um, big issue seller they um respected the the fact that as a homeless person i wasn't just sitting down outside a shop begging with a cup i was selling a magazine you know so I, we have to buy that magazine so we buy the magazine and then we sell it for a profit yeah um yeah mm, I didn't so know that's how it's worked pardon i didn't realize that's how it worked that you had to buy it and then you sold it for a profit i i don't know i didn't yeah yeah, yeah we 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 are registered well you have to register yourself so i registered myself as self-employed and um and you know a lot of us rely on the generosity of the public because a lot of the public don't want the magazine but yeah. what they would do they'll give you drops you know they'll say oh you know i don't want the magazine can i just give you the price of the magazine so that you can maybe give it to someone else who hasn't got the money to pay for it and i said yeah that's that's cool you know i'm not saying no to any money at all <laughs> right and um you know and others would just just give you drops oh you know 
thank you, um, you know. And I was as cheerful selling the big issue, and I learned rejection from selling the big issue because that's a big thing as well, you know, rejection. And I, you know, I'm going through a bit about that now actually because of the new career path I've chosen, and I'm just fearful. So I'm doing all the things that I'm not that I'm I'm, I'm doing all the things that are not productive, and leaving the productive stuff. If, if that makes sense, but what um, do you mean? no, um, well, because now I I've started as a because um, I've been homeless. I've always wanted to start something to do with homes to provide affordable accommodation for low income families and in in my local community. And because I've, I've put my mind to it, um, I've actually attracted developers and investors who who align with my vision and so they're willing if i put in the work they're willing to put in the funds to build these affordable accommodations you know in in whichever community i find it so that we could you know and because they they are building a lot you know so a minimum of five units up to a thousand units mm -hmm. so in that sense they can give back give affordable accommodation back to those communities. And yeah, yeah. And so the part I'm fearful about, but they're guiding me, I'm getting free coaching from them. They don't have to use me, but because of I have, I surround myself with successful people, not because I want to be a success. I, I believe success is, is, is the mother who planned to be a mother and who is a mother and is doing it well. Um, success is the person who decides that they want to be a doctor or decides they want to be a road sweeper or decide they want to be um, a shop worker and they plan towards it they, they get the qualifications and they plan towards it the journey success is that journey towards your goal to me that is success so it's not money yeah you know I mean you know money is a reward of what you're doing you understand me? So if you if you find a good enough thing to do that you love doing, then you will get rewarded. I mean, so I don't I don't see no problem in someone being rewarded a lot of money because they're adding a lot of value or they're doing a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? For people. So yeah, so I'm I'm wrapped around some good people now, and I have to be because um, you know, I don't want to go back to where I came from, and it's a habit now. You know, being how I am has become a habit, as we know. If you do something over and over again, at least more than three weeks, but in some cases it's a bit longer. But I've been doing this now for, well, more than four years. Even I've been with the company four years. I've been doing it since I stopped, I think maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, you know, um, struggling. But now I'm stronger, I'm stronger. And um, and things is, is really, doors are opening, things are happening. You know, I'm getting my story out there. You know, I'm not proud of where I've, I've been, what I've, I've, I've done to people I have hurt people I've hurt my children you know I'm not the perfect parent today you know my, my children I'm working on trying to um, get the, the communication open between my children um, mm -hmm. you know because I, I you know I I worked with the tools I had yeah. you know and um, I know better now and um, and it's hard to reach out you know, because I'm a human, you know, I, I can't take rejection, you see, um, but I've got to reach out, reach out to them. So you said that when you started being a bus driver and when you had all the 
customers, all the clients telling you about being so happy and everything, you 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 didn't understand what they meant. Uh, are you happy right now? You know what? Th thank you for bringing me back to that. Yeah, um, I I didn't understand what they meant because, like a lot of people, we make a decision to do good in this world. You know, I saw a lot of good people come out when this pandemic started. Mm. Communities putting up posters telling people, come and get food. We're here to help you. Call this number. You know, we will pick up your medication. We will get, we will cook you food. Even to this day, a year on of this pandemic and lockdown, there are communities out there that are, you know, and they're doing this with a smile. Some are doing it from their pocket. Some are giving, giving, you know, giving money, giving food. And, you know, I salute those people. Do you understand me? Because these are things that make you happy. You know, it's true. You know, when people say, oh, yeah, money don't make you happy. Well, you want to try and get some money and you will see how you make you happy or not. But, yes, that's not the foundation. The foundation is helping others. So I'm so proud of people today, especially Londoners and the UK and even the rest of the world, for reaching out and helping their neighbour, help, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, doing something. Because you really see when, you, re you really see people when when the going gets tough. You see, you, you really you see, see the people. good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question, I told you already, I veer off from the subject. Am I happy today? I am happy today. I understand now what my customers mean, that you're happy, you're happy, you're happy. So the press got took that, type, that, that thing from my customers, and the press is what called me London's happiest bus driver. <laughs> right. Okay. And um, I've spoken to a lot of bus drivers, and they've told me, Patrick, we can't do what you do. Oh, Patrick, the customers are rude. Patrick, the customers are this, the customers are that. So it looks like it's going to be a tough road to get other bus drivers to um, see, not see the customers as being rude. You understand me? But adjusting your own attitude first. Because I really believe you attract what you put out. So if you're looking for bad customers, you're going to get bad customers. Because I've got bus drivers that tell me that they get all the bad customers. So if there's five buses and I'm the third bus, Bus one, bus two, bus four, and bus five will get all the bad customers. But the third bus, Patrick's bus, will get all the happy customers. What's that, what's that about? What's that about? And, and the reason why that is, is because I, I set my mind up. So in the mornings, I start by saying, I like my customers. I am happy. This is a great day. Thank you for a wonderful day. I, you know, I don't start the day by putting on the news. I don't watch the telly. I don't start the day by putting on the news. You know, I start the day, I try to start every day. Well, I do start every day by saying positive affirmations. But I also try by doing at least five minutes meditation, mindfulness meditation, reading at least 10 to 30 minutes of a good positive book. Do you understand? This is in the morning, you know, to, to, to ground myself, to get my mind positive, get my mind ready to face the world, to face my day, 
and it sits yeah, no, you me see up. you're you're creating a good environment and you're setting a right energy and 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 people feel it and no oh, yeah that, that's amazing it's it's really you, you know what's also super interesting i think is in a sense i mean you might be the only one doing that but in a sense what you're doing should be the norm right it should be yes absolutely. and, and it's interesting that we we live in a world where you are being how do i phrase that um what you're doing is not normal sadly you know like you're, you're being praised to be an amazing driver to be nice with your clients uh and to be polite with your clients and to be respectful towards your client yeah and 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 i mean it's you, you're being praised for that it should be normal yeah uh, it's it's interesting you know like when you when you think about it like yeah um, no like, it's true it should be normal right and um and and i think you know we've we've lost that as a society mm. um you know because everyone is suspicious of everyone's if someone is kind you know another person's suspicious of what why is he smiling that's at me? true that's so true you, you 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 know and i have to tell my customers sometimes that listen you know i'm, I'm just i'm just giving for free there's no strings attached and, yeah, it's not and, tipping or <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not you know and it's because that's who i am because my cousin told me once when i taught us we stopped at a petrol station and i was cheerful to the um the uh attendant and my cousin said to me wow you even know people out here in the sticks and i said no i don't know him he said oh my god the way you are talking to him is like you know him <laughs> you know and, and, and i says well you know and i've realized that you know not everyone can be like that you know, some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, some people are, you know, calm and collective and listen and, you know, and other people are, are outlandish and and stuff. And it's it just, you best be who you are. I've learned that, you know, I just need to be me. And so, like, going back to my manager, he said that, you know, he says, well, you don't care about what people are thinking about you. You know what? I really don't care because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I am being honest. I'm being honest. You know, uh, and I'm I'm grateful that I, I'm allowed to be honest. You know, and 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 I and you know, just like the press, when I was in the newspapers, I've been in a lot of newspapers in 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 the UK and around the world. And um and the only reason why I agree to give these interviews is because they told me that it will help someone. Yeah. You know, and you know I'm all for helping. You see, um. Yeah, I'm all for helping. And I really don't know who I am properly yet. And um and I'm still working on that. <laughs> but um but you know, in the in the meantime, I just wanna just because yeah, I'm enjoying life. I really am enjoying life today. And it's because um I, you know, I find out that I make people happy. Um, you know, okay, I've got a story to tell as well, which it touches some people you know and i can't understand why you know being who i am or where i was that you know people be so fascinated um hopefully one day i will understand it but i'm really humbled and grateful you know for for people i'm so great i'm, I'm you know i find that oh, i'll be shut up before i start crying <laughs> <laughs> sorry no 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 but i mean you 
I don't know. I mean, you, you, you say you don't understand, but I think it's because you're, you're the living proof that there is hope. You're the living proof that life can be bad, but things can happen. Uh, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, yeah. Like you said before, yeah. if you're willing to see it, because yeah. some people don't want to see it. That's that's you. You've been really. That's what really I got from what you said. But you know, uh, we we live in a really negative world. If you watch the news, if you read the, the the newspaper and everything, all you hear about is bad news, is war, fight, disagreement, shit going wrong, whatever. Uh, people hating each other and. And you know, like a story like yours is bringing a light there. It's, it's shining a light, saying, "Well, actually, there are good people. First, there are good people in the world. Uh, second, you can yeah. change. People can change because we yeah. hear so many times that people can't change. And you are who you are. And you know, if you're yeah. this, sorry, like so, you can change. Um, and yeah, like this, this hope, like things can be good, and it's up to us." Yeah. And it's up to us and how we behave and how we interact with each other. It's actually not that complicated in a sense. Like it's No. If it's to be, it's up to me. This is a saying, another saying yeah. I use. If it's to be, it's up to me. I remember a time when my daughter, when I was moaning and blaming my mum for everything, my daughter said to me, Dad, she was 16 then, she's 22 now. She said to me, Dad, I said, what? She said, take responsibility. And from an African home, you know, you don't, your kids don't talk to you like that. But I'm so grateful <laughs> that I lit. I'm so grateful that I listen to her. And I say that to myself all the time. You know, if I feel like I'm getting a bit upset on the bus, you know, I tell myself, take responsibility. I am, no, I am responsible. I am responsible. And I am, because I'm driving a big vehicle. I drive a double-decker bus um, through London. And it's, it's you know, I need to be responsible. You know what I mean? I'm like the big daddy on the streets. <laughs> yeah. You understand? So, um, but what you're saying is true. And, you know, we need to trust each other more you know because success leaves clues the answers are all out there um there are circles that you because i've noticed there are circles that i'm involved in that they're all positive you know um and I, i'm just so amazed because you know in one circle you know people are just looking at the glass half empty and in another circle, they're looking at the glass half full, you see. And um, and I learned all this from books, you know. Um, and I realized that life is learning. We need to be always, and also, whatever you believe in, the universe, energy, God, your prayers are always answered. Your prayers, your requests of the universe is always answered. You know, you just have to be quiet and listen. You know, you, you, you speak it out. You will get your answer from a podcast like this, you know, in your heart. You, you know, um, you, you will go one way and feel that you need to go this way or you need to call this person. You know, the subconscious is powerful. I believe, you know, because even as a Christian, they will tell you that, oh, sin, adultery is sin. Do you know what? Yeah, I think the sin, the biggest sin to God, because I grew up as a Christian, is disbelief. It's not believing in yourself. It's not believing, you know, it's not having faith. 
you know, that, I think that's the biggest. I, I, you know, I think that that seems bigger than than um, than adultery. Even though, yeah, because everyone knows that adultery is not good. Everyone knows that cheating on your partner is no good. Everyone knows that. You don't have to be a Christian to know yeah. that cheating is no good. Do you know what I mean? You don't. Um, and that's that's you see, and that's what I, I couldn't understand when I was a Christian, and they would tell you, you know, you, you have to tell people that you know Jesus died for your sins and blah blah blah. And you know what I mean? But good people know this anyway, and they don't need to be in church to be taught this. Good good people are good people. Do you know what I mean? You know, they said, yeah, but you know, only Christians are going to go to heaven. Well, hello, no, I don't believe that, man. No, sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? Listen, I believe. That you know, God is good, and um, you know, God loves good people. We've got a mission, anyway. We have. We've got a mission to to shine light. You know, because even the Bible it says that let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. Guys, I'm not preaching. I've told you already. I'm spiritual. I'm not a Christian. I'm more spiritual. But years of studying. Bible studies, it's just in me. Even the Bible says that the devil knows the scriptures. He used it against Jesus. <laughs> but I'm not saying I'm the devil. I used to be. <laughs> but now, you know, I'm 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 all for building people now. I'm all for building people. You know, not pulling them down no more. I'm all for building. I just got to say, thank you so much for being so honest about your whole story. Um and yeah, it's just, it, like it's it's fascinating, you know. Like it kind of makes sense from your childhood to you know where you were as a teenager and as a young adult, and then to where you are now. It's an incredible story. And it's an incredible path and a journey. And I'm sure so many people listening are going to either relate to this in some sense, or they'll you know learn something or gain something. Um, I wanted to ask if people want to find you on social media. Where's the best place? Like Instagram or Facebook or what's where are you best? Um, well, thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> Um, you know, I really do hope that uh, you know someone can get something from this. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this for you know for praise or for you know. I still don't understand. It's, you know, I mean, one day, one day, my mother looked up at me and said, "Kune, that's my Nigerian name. God is going to use your mouth." And I thought she meant in church, but I'm really grateful that the plan is a bigger plan. You know, the plan is a bigger plan. You know, my mess is, you know, I'm grateful I could turn my mess into a message to help someone. So if anyone would like to, you know, reach out to me, yes, I am on Instagram. That's uh, Patrick underscore Lawson underscore. They can also uh, Google me, uh, Patrick Lawson. I, I don't have to hide my name no more. Um, <laughs> you know, Patrick Lawson bus driver or London's happiest bus driver um, so I'm on YouTube I put out a few videos on YouTube they're quite humorous people tell me you know on <laughs> on life you know on mindset on my day on life in the day of a bus driver I'm also a cyclist as well so you know <laughs> I also talk about cycling but from the point of view of a mindset mm. you know um yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well, so you can search for me, Patrick Lawson, or London's Happiest Bus Driver. 
And I will yeah, get I, I will get all the link in uh, in a note of the episode anyway, so I'll, I'll make it easy for everyone to get okay. in touch with you and find your content. <laughs> thank you so much. That's, thank you so, and I'm so grateful to you guys because you guys are doing uh, great work. You, you know, you you find interesting people um, to share their story. Now I know who you are. I'm going to <laughs> listen to you guys as well. Um, thank you. Yeah, you know, and if there's anyone out there that is. Um, is struggling, especially in this pandemic, because we are, this is um, the 7th of March, 2021, and we're in lockdown in London. I don't know about you in Miami, but some parts of the world uh, are struggling. You know, just reach out to someone. You know, if people want to help you, you know, genuinely, they want to help you. You know, organisations are out there, they want to help, reach out to them. I have friends who are struggling financially, you know, and they've got to go food banks and stuff. People are out there. There's no, there's no shame in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just that's my message. I would like to share with people. You know, um, help others. If you're in a position to help, help. You know, if you've got a kind word to say to someone, say it. Right? Um, there was a lady on a train once. I had my face covering on, and I walked. I ran up the stairs to catch this train, and it was so thick that I, I made sure I wasn't two meters, I was more than two meters away from anyone. There was only one, that lady in front of, you know, more than two meters away. And I had my music on and I saw her making some ejaculating noises and sounds and looking towards me. So I looked at her and she, you know, I took off my headphones and, and, and she was screaming at me, oh, because I think I must have coughed. Yeah, yeah, I coughed in my head. Oh, you're, you're spreading your germs around. Um, you want to kill us? You got coronavirus. This is a black woman as well. I'm a black man. This is a black, and I, I thought, oh, okay, this woman's upset. Okay, no problem. And I put my music back on and I looked away from her. And obviously, my instinct would be to respond. Mm. Yeah. However, I've got a few tools now in my toolbox. <laughs> so what I I, I reach in deep real deep and I pulled out the tool that you can't have a negative and positive thought in your mind so I decided to pray for her so I started saying good things about her I just started saying God please bless her bless her family bless anything she's doing where is she's going help her help her finances you know I just thought of things good because I know for a fact a negative thought and a positive thought can't dwell in your mind at the same time. Mm. And we we have the power to direct our thoughts by uh, by changing our thinking, by changing what we say. So yeah, that, that helped me. But the universe sent me someone else to do the same thing on another train on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was on the train, had my face covering up, trying to breathe. And this guy told me about put my face covering on. So I'm thinking, well, I can't breathe. And I, I didn't want to talk. So I, I kind of had it over my face, out it so I could still breathe. And I was, I prayed for him as well. <laughs> Maybe the universe or God wanted me to pray for these people. <laughs> That's why I was in the same carriage as them. So it's not always if you think that, oh, this person's been a pain or whatever. No, there could be a reason why they're being a pain. Think yeah, they're of, going through some shit as well. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You just so, need to be compassionate and, and just, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Life. No, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate 
your honesty, your transparency, and 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 being so open to share your story with us and with everyone else listening. Uh, like I said, I will link your websites and social media on the episode so people can find you. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate everything you said. Uh, it's 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 been amazing to listen to your story, and I'm sure it's going to inspire a lot of people. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you thought about it. And yeah, we will see you next week as usual on Wednesday. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next Wednesday.